What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 102 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Go rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to Combo's Court. Today's show, MSG's own Alan Hahn joins in. You could catch Alan on ESPN Radio and on the MSG Network for in-studio analysis of the New York Knicks. It was great having Alan on the show. Just a fantastic conversation, and I'm glad you guys are going to be able to listen in. Combo Nation, man. We are out here. Um, you could follow Alan on Instagram at MSG. That's A-H-A-H-N-M-S-G. You know you could follow me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca on the track. Alan Hahn, man, host of ESPN Radio. In studio analyst for MSG Networks. How you feeling today, man? I'm feeling good. We got we got basketball again, so we've got games even last night. Practices going on, so life is good. Life is good, but uh, I like to hear your story as a hooper, man. I know you used to hoop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, peach baskets and short shorts back in the day. Um, it was the, it was that long ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was. It was lace, laces on the basketball. I mean, I, you know, two-handed set shot days. It's okay, a, under, was, underhand free throws, all that. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it feels like that long ago. Um, but I don't know. I mean, what, how far back do you want to go? Let's um, go to college. Let's go to college. All right. I played, I played D2 ball. Uh, it, the school doesn't exist anymore. It was LIU Post. And as of this year, they, they are no longer. They actually unified the Long Island University um, campuses. So now it's just one school or one, one, sport, one athletic department. So now it's just uh, – and the, the Blackbirds, the D1 team, they don't exist either. It's now a thing called the LIU Sharks. So whatever might have happened uh, in my days. I played in the early 90s. Uh, at LIU Post, and it was a really good D2 program. The coach, Tom Galizzi, who had passed away, was uh, a legendary D2 coach, had great success. Program won like 10 conference championships. You know, it was, uh, it was uh, one of those types of schools where every year we were always competitive, we were always good. Um, and so it was a great experience. Yeah, so when did you start to realize you wanted to get into media? Once I blew out my ACL. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, I, I did the same. I did the same. Yeah. That was that was a while back, but yeah, that that's is. that's the cold water. I mean, that's when. I mean, not only was it you know playing against really good players and realizing I probably don't have a chance to play pro, even though the, you know I had friends of mine who were going over um, that were you know you put a couple of years in. It's nice tax free money, you know. Um, right. But I thought maybe I'd have a chance if I. Um, Worked hard enough, but then uh, blew up my ACL as a junior and then again as a senior. And I was pretty much, I was done. Like it was, you know, back then, you know, Bernard King was the only guy coming back from ACL at that time. So, you know, I just kind of figured, all right, I got to do something. And um, I like to write. So it became, that sort of became my thing. I, I wrote 
for the school paper. I enjoyed it. And then when I got out of college, I said, all right, let me pursue it. <clears throat> the funny thing is, is that the first, first five years I was a, I was at Newsday, Long Island's newspaper. And okay. probably the only reason why they hired me was because they recognized my name as somebody who was in the paper as an athlete. Uh, Cause right. I had no, no internship, no background, no experience, nothing. You know, there wasn't, internet back then you couldn't write for a website you know only time you you would write is if you wrote for like a weekly newspaper or you wrote your own stuff um there were no blogs nothing there was there was no literally there wasn't internet uh at that time so for me it became okay they know who i am and my first job was answering phone calls that was like high schools like you know high school coaches would call in their blurbs so that, that's how, you know, it took me four years before I really had a chance to write regularly for the paper. My dad even told me that, you know what, maybe you should get into insurance or maybe coach, you know, like this isn't the thing for you. And uh, I just said, let me give it, let me give it some more time. And I got lucky, I guess, a fortunate, a job open. They, they gave me, my first pro beat was hockey, uh, the New York Islanders. And um, well, it's huge in that area. So that, that yeah, makes- it's, yeah. it's big. And I just, you know, it was something I actually had a passion for as a kid. So I started doing that, but I always had my eye, like one day I'm going to cover the Knicks. One day I'm going to cover the Knicks. It just became, you know, kind of an obsession and, and eventually uh, it led to that. So it, it, it wasn't overnight, that's for sure. And it's not one of those, you know, stories where, oh, I did this internship and uh, in college I was this. In college, uh, you know, it was, it all just happened when I got injured and I realized it's time to grow up. I got to do right. something and uh, start from the bottom. Right, and ACL surgeries were uh, different back then. But you, you've been, um, you've been with MSG for a while now. Um, yeah. And you spoke to the internet. Do, do you ever put any thought into where regional sports networks and regional sports television is going? It's a, you know, I, I do every day, every year. Um, when when we, you know, my agent and I talk about what we do next, and right. MSG comes back and says we'd like to have you back, and uh, we talk about that all the time. What's the direction? Uh, it, it does feel more like that in big markets it's still very valuable to have the regional networks um because fans are you know they want they consume the product so you know teams like the knicks i mean that's a big team with a huge following um all over the world literally so i think though you have to change the way you do it because you know there was a time where you cover you cover the team basic pregame show halftime show postgame show you keep everything structured but I do think now we're seeing a change where it gets a, it's a little looser. It's a little more featurey. Um, you know, fans, most of the fans already watch the game. So you got to always stay up with, I think, where everything's trending. But I do right. think regional networks in the big markets, like I still think they're very valuable because there's so much, there's a huge audience in those markets. Right. And also, I mean, a lot of the fans are older, so they probably consume uh, their content on television. I seen. I mean, I looked at it. And MSG is putting a lot of clips on YouTube, so I think they're going in yeah, the right direction well, with but, it. And that's what I meant. That's what I meant when when yeah. I said you, you got to change what you're doing. So a lot of things, maybe your mentality is more of digitally driven, where right. do, doing segments that can also stand alone as a digital, uh, you know, short that they'll they can also put online, and it's it's something that works whether you just packages as something you put online or on YouTube or something that works on, on a TV show with commercials in between, you know, like you can't assume that 
whatever you're doing is based on what you just talked about. You know what I mean? So it's sort of changing your thinking about it. And also I think having a little more of an edge, I think that's a big part of it too, instead of uh, getting a little monotonous with, uh, with the way you do typical studio show. Right. All right. So media day was yesterday. Um, I know you've been to a lot of them. You're going to hear the, it's funny. You just talked about that. You kind of have to have an edge. It's funny. So some players, you know, they'll give you the cookie cutter answers during media day and then go on a podcast and share and just share their guts. Um, (laughs) But, but I'm sure you've been doing this for a while. So did you read between the lines? Like what was your biggest takeaway from uh, next media day? Well, I was saying it earlier today on, on uh, Twitter that, you know, and I've done, like you said, I've done a ton of these already, these media days. I mean, between this, this, the NFL and the NHL, I've probably done 20 years of media days. And it's amazing how every media day is, this guy's jacked. Uh, this guy worked on his game and it's a new feature to his game. And every team believes that this is the year. You know, everybody has that same feeling on the first day. Uh, it's usually a week later where you find out what's real and what's not from, the, from, from media day. So, you know, I, I do have a sense of skepticism every time I go that after a while, you just, you already know some of the rhetoric you're going to get, but everybody's in a good mood. It's the first day of school. Um, but yesterday, as, as I tweeted this morning, yesterday, the one vibe I got that I hadn't really, you, like you hear it, but you don't ever buy into it because everybody likes to say it right. is this next team, despite the fact that, you know, this was a disappointing summer. I mean, a lot of people were hoping that they would get the big name, the big guy, uh, KD. It didn't happen. And so from there, they decided to build a team, go through depth. But toughness was something that I think Scott Perry, who comes from that Detroit Pistons of the early 2000s era, is something they felt was they had to address, not just talent, but toughness. And they, you know, you talk to different guys like Marcus Morris. You know, he basically tells you, like, you know, I'm, I'm a dog, and that's a good thing. And, yeah. you know, you talk to some other guys about, like Julius Randle and others, about a toughness and a mentality, about, you know, the fact that, as I said on Twitter, it feels like the Garden, there's been a welcome mat outside the building for too many years where stars have come in and used it as their stage. Yeah, and the Knicks have tried to – they've tried to attract stars. And instead it's like, no, no, we'd rather just come in here and have our night and then leave and not have to deal with – the the criticism and the media and everything else, and we still get our shine. And so one guy I was talking to about that, and I said, you know, every year I always hear from people saying, oh, no, 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 we're going to play like those old 90s Knicks teams. We're going to be tough, and we're not going to let teams come in our building. I said, everybody says it every year. I said, why should I believe you? And they said, because look at the guys on this team. Like, there's no fake tough guys here anymore. Like, this is these, – these are real tough dudes. And you know, this, this is a mentality that they have to have because of how much people are calling them collectively. Oh, you're plan B. You know, you're not really what their plan A was. You guys are the right. sign. They, chip on the shoulder. Chip on the shoulder. That's, for sure. that's exactly it. And yeah. so, and obviously, and they're taking all their hits. So one, one quote I, I got that sticks with me is, as a guy said, hey, you know, I said, well, you know, a good hard foul always sends a message. And believe it or not, these people here in New York, they, they seem to love that. If you're not going to be a superstar team, they'd rather you be a blue-collar team. They don't want that in the middle team. Right. So you're either going to be a blue-collar, hardworking, nasty team or just be that superstar team. Well, they haven't been able to be a superstar team, even though they tried. So be blue-collar. And, and the guy said to me, you know, a flagrant one is worth the same as one foul. 
It's not like you get two fouls for a flagrant one. You just get a flagrant one. So who cares? And I'm thinking, okay, well, that's a different mentality. Yeah. You know, because most guys don't want fouls because fouls means I don't get my minutes. But right. it sounds like, you know, all right, well, you know, my joke has always been this is a league where they give you five fouls until they kick you out. Right? The yeah. sixth one is where you get thrown out, but you can use five. Yeah, in so, Europe, I mean, I, I, played it, I played overseas for a bunch of years, and the yeah. coaches would always say, use your fouls, use your fouls. You don't hear that here as much. For sure. No, you don't. And, I, and yeah. I love that you said that because that's the one thing I love about the European game that so many people yeah. don't get is when you go overseas and play, the first thing all my friends would tell me is like, dude, it is physical as hell over here. Yeah, like, man. like, it's nasty. It's physical. You're playing against grown men, too. Like, these are dudes that are, you know, they're ripping darts at halftime, throwing down a beer, and then they come out and they'll foul you again. Like, it's... <laughs> You know, yeah, and you know like if you dri- if if you dribble up in transition, the rule over there usually is just foul him. That's why they pass it up all the time. You know, like yeah, foul right I, away. Yeah, no, that's and and uh, we saw yeah. Manu do that a lot when he came over. Pablo right. Bastoni was doing that a ton. If it's a fast break, and, that's and then why they, they raise their hand, to- then they raise their hand to the to the. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I did it, I did it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I ruined your fast break. That's my bad. But but that's why the league put in that rule now. They they the, they don't want you to be able to just grab somebody to stop a fast break. Yeah. Um, you know, they have that now, but, but still, I feel like that still can exist in today's game. I've always been like that. Like I've never, even when I play, I wasn't a skill player. I was, you know, just a, a runner, a jumper and a hard worker. I couldn't, you know, I wasn't going to be a skill guy. So I always felt like that part of the game was lost at the NBA level. And it would be kind of nice to see it come back. And especially in the place where it was, you know, celebrated for many years. Why not? Yeah. Couldn't I argue that the Knicks are at their best when they have the combination of the superstar and the blue collar team? You could. I mean, you, I mean yeah, like Patrick could. Ewing, Carmelo. I mean, they were well, Carmelo had the one year when and I think a lot yeah. of that success was because of Jason Kidd, to be honest. Like just, he just right. elevates the whole team. Um Yeah, you're hundred percent right. Point hit hit and, and he actually he struggled in the last month of the season and down the stretch. He really struggled. I'll yeah. also argue they had that when they traded for Melo and they had Chauncey Billups. They had Chauncey, and when when Chauncey was healthy, and his problem was he kept getting hurt. But when he was healthy, and they had Amari and Melo, and you know, it it didn't even matter who the hell else was on the floor. You know, that that was a tough team. And then, you know, obviously Chauncey got hurt in the playoffs in Game One, and it just to me changed everything. And then Amari got hurt. But yeah, that that next year, when they got Jason and they added, you know, they brought Sheed and Kurt Thomas in just to add a little bit of crazy to the bench. You felt like, all right, this – like, you know when you walk in – like, you probably did this. You've walked into a locker room at the start of a season, and all you – you don't have to even play. The ball doesn't even have to hit the court. You walk in a room, you look around, you go, okay, yeah, we got a squad here. Like, we got to do this. And then there's Definitely. times you walk in a locker room and you're like, oh, yeah, we're going to suck. <laughs> oh, I've been there. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just know how it feels. Like, even as a, even as a reporter – you know, like I covered, I covered some awful Islanders teams and some really good Islanders teams. And I remember that feeling. You walk in as a reporter, you look around the room, and you're like, "Oh, this is all right. All right, I can make vacation probably mid-April. Like I'm good." And then there's other times you walk in and you're going, "All right, this is going to be fun. I can see it already." And you know, not only is it going to be like a team that's going to be competitive and fun to cover, but also I know that there'll be some guys that if I write some stuff they're going to come at me and you look like, I like, I like the competition of it. So you just can tell. And that's why I like this group. It's only one day. I want to go some practices now. I want to watch them, but it just being around, it's sort of like, like you said before, there's an edge. 
there's something here. And I'm curious to see if it develops or, you know, as we've seen in the past, it's just rhetoric. But I, it's hard for me to believe, knowing Scott Perry and Fisdale too. David Fisdale's another guy that's, you know, he's a pretty, you know, he likes to, he likes to jaw. He likes to, you know, get in your face. I think they'd prefer to have that kind of an identity. Definitely so, with, this, with this personnel, for sure. That makes you sense. have to. And I almost think you have to, right? I mean, just yeah. think about it. You just said it. You know, you, you have a superstar in Ewing, and then you put some tough guys around them, and then you've got a good team. The one thing they're lacking is, is who's going to be the superstar, and Julius Randle's raising his hand saying, that's who I want to be. Well, we'll see. I think so. I think so. I think he'll lead them. Uh, it's funny that, you, you know, you spoke to Chauncey raising the whole level and J.C. Kidd raising the whole level. I actually yeah. saw your, your top ten list. And I definitely agree with you with number one, LeBron James, just for that simple fact of he just raises the level of the whole team. Agree. Uh, that, 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 like, that's something I think a lot of people don't take account for. Like, they look at the stats, which his stats were great, but he's definitely number one. I do have a few problems with your list, though. Uh, let's okay. See. Let's, go, let's go with uh, – go. Well, let's tell everybody the list. Kyrie, 10, Paul George, 9, and Davis, 8, Steph Curry, 7, 6, Russell Westbrook, 5, Dame Lillard, 4, James Harden, Three Giannis, two Kawhi, one LBJ. I mean, I don't know how you could have Russell over Steph Curry, just for the simple oh. fact that Russell. Oh, come on! Is not come a, on. is not. That's it, the easiest one. It's That's at the this easiest one. You know what's Look funny? What he, he averaged a triple double for three straight years. He when impacts the when, game so much. He's the fastest player with the ball. His intensity, and oh, by the way, there's the other side of the basketball that you have to play, and Russ plays it. Uh, Steph, is a, Steph is an all-time great shooter. All-time great shooter, impossible to cover because he runs through screens better than anyone not named Ray Allen. But on the other side of the floor, you're always protecting him. You don't have to do that with Westbrook. That's why. Steph Cur so when, when you're in the playoffs, right, and your point guard can't shoot, you're at, at a tremendous disadvantage no matter what you do. And we saw that first OKC. And, I mean, his, he's really not efficient in any way. And his athleticism is declining. Uh, That's Steph true. Cur Steph Curry it is declining. Steph Curry changed the game. And he's the reason why you're at a tremendous disadvantage when, you, when your point guard can't shoot. Uh, but I could see – I mean, I, obviously – you have to love Westbrook's attitude. I mean, way he that's and I think it's the and you know you brought up you know as far as raising the level when he plays as hard as he does. It's almost I can see impossible. that. Yeah, it's almost impossible. Like you, you have to know this from the, you, from your years playing. Like once again, it's you base it on your own experience, right? When you're out on the floor and there's somebody that works as hard as he does, you, either you feel so guilty you have to work hard, or you're just fired up by it and so it, it raises your game to want to like when that dude runs I'm running because if he doesn't shoot I'm getting something out of this so you're motivated to run you're motivated to yeah. push I, I do think there is something to that part of it as well I just look at it as he impacts both ends of the floor and the other player doesn't that that's it and it's not even saying that Curry's not that good obviously he's a great player but if I'm ranking I got to rank it on the entire game my opinion yeah, and this is a take that most – I mean, I differ on this one from many people. I would have Paul George, Steph Curry, James Harden, all above Giannis. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like in the playoffs, he's – you know, those guys are harder to, to uh, how would I scout for. Like, you just can't stop them. I mean, Giannis only really scores in, in, one, in one level. 
at the rim. He just goes downhill. He doesn't read the game. He's not a great passer. So I think for the regular season, yeah, you can put him at three. But for the playoffs, I would have a bunch of these guys, maybe even Ann Davis, we've got to see how he comes back from injury. Yeah, I'm not as high on Giannis. I'm not as high okay. on Giannis as everybody else. I'm kind of glad you said that, though, because everybody's afraid to say that. So you're, you're showing me some guts and courage that you're going to actually say you're not as high on Giannis because people will tell you, oh, you don't know basketball then, and obviously you do. So yeah. I'm glad you said that because there's too many people that just go, but MVP. And it's like, yeah, because the media votes on it. What the hell do we know? You know, we're right. looking at stats, and we watch a guy that has the longest stride in the league and can spin in the lane, and he just eats up teams that are bad defensively, eats them up. And there are good teams that can build a wall and give him trouble, and we've seen that too. But he's still he's, – he's got incredible athleticism, and he also doesn't ever seem to get tired, and that allows him to accumulate points and be an efficient player in the paint. But, no, he's not a great three-point shooter. He does impact the game defensively, though. you got to admit that. He's, Definitely. he's great at shot blocking. He can steal. He can guard anybody from one through five. Like, he's got all that ability. But mm, one, I, I don't know. I don't know if he could guard some of these ones. <laughs> that's, well, that's screen, a, screen roll is almost impossible for anybody to guard. Right. But, that's true. That's true. That's but true. but you, you get my point, though. I get and, your point. I get your point but for defense. I, I'll tell you what, though. I will, I, will actually, I will actually yield to you on that and say you're not wrong that you would move Giannis down. I put him there mainly because of the MVP thing, uh, the fact that how important he is to that team. You know, it just shows you, like, his impact on that team because they're – you know, the, that, that supporting cast around him is, is okay, but it's not great. And he made them a team that really, really should have gotten to the final. It's uh, surprising that they couldn't get that far. They had some injuries that affected them, uh, and they were a much different team once they got to the conference final. But I do watch him and think the same exact thing you point out. So that's why I can't argue with you. I'm almost going to have to just, like, take the fifth on that one. Um, but I'll tell you what, though. If you're going to make that argument about Harden being a regular season player, I mean, Giannis being a regular season player, James Harden is the same thing. He's a regular season player, and when it matters most, he gives you the least. That's frustrating. Don't you think? I, I mean, it's definitely frustrating. Um, I, I think he doesn't read the game as, some, as well as some of these other guys. You know, sometimes, like during the regular season, and I spoke to this before, how like a LeBron James will make the right pass, and I think guys yeah. like even like Westbrook, to be honest, and James Harden – will fish for the assist more than making the right pass. And I think that hurts you in the long run. I like the way you put that because that's so true. Fish for it. Right. He, he, they're, they're, they're looking for something instead of just playing in the flow. Right. And, which, and I think, re- which I yeah. think guys like even Luka and Jokic, which I think Jokic should be on this list, to be honest. It's hard to make a top 10 list. You're always going to leave somebody out. But I think those guys play to make the right play and not necessarily the stats. I love that guy, and, and I almost hate myself for, that, for not putting him on that list because just for exactly what you said because I love the way he played. He, how about Jokic? Here's a guy that plays at his speed. Definitely. And he makes you play at his speed. You, you know, everybody, it's like, oh, the game's faster. Pace is so important. Uh, you know, get up and down the floor. Be able to be, you know, that, that quick twitch, make the move, break your ankles. He doesn't do that. He plays his speed. And yet he makes you play his speed. And that is a skill that I don't think people recognize because he's not fast. He can't jump. He doesn't run that hard. And yet he absolutely controls the game when he's out there. So there's something masterful about what he does that I don't think enough people recognize. And I'm with you. I, I do think he should be on that list. But 
once again, you fall into that, who do you take off the list? Yeah, it's tough, man. I mean, all these guys are great. It's definitely tough. Yeah. Um, he'll have to prove it this year. I think if he brings his three-point percentage up just a little bit and, the De- and Denver's number one in the West, I mean, this is saying a lot. All this might not happen. He could be an, <laughs> he could be an MVP candidate for sure. But he was, in my opinion, uh, oh, he was I, last year. Yeah, definitely. Well, MVP. Yeah. Just M- yeah. not even a candidate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. He has to actually win it. But for him to win it, he'd have to keep putting the numbers up he's putting up. And as you said, the Nuggets – I almost feel like Denver last year was a bit disrespected because they were in first place or second place for almost the entire season, and yet no one took them serious. Yeah. You know, it was almost like, for yeah, sure. but it's Denver. It's Denver. You know, it's like, okay, well, Golden State's taking the season off. They're just waiting for the playoffs. And, you know, LeBron is hurt. You know, like, you know, the, the Rockets are just still trying to figure it out. Portland's better. Like nobody wanted to give them credit for just how good of a team they were and how good he was. That it would have had to resulted in them getting to the conference final and they couldn't get past Portland. Yeah, and I'm higher on Jamal Murray than a lot of others too. I do like him, and he's another guy. I think that's you know gets overshadowed. I don't know. Definitely. If it's mark- I don't know if it's market or if it's just yeah. you know because of what conference he's playing in. But yeah, that, that's a really good team. And Mike's a. I think Mike's a terrific coach. Another guy. They almost fired him. All the yeah, fans wanted him out. Could you imagine they fired him? Like, let for- coaches get through, uh, you know, the growing process with the team because who knows the players better than the coach that's been coaching these guys? The narratives are just ridiculous because when a team wins, the coaches are great. And then yeah. the next year if the team loses, they're not good anymore. No, they're the right. same guy. They're still yeah. a good coach. <laughs> yeah. It, it, and he has been right. winning. I mean, and he has been winning. So, I mean, I don't know. If we, never, we never blame players, do we? It's always, it's always well, you didn't coach him up. It's always the coach's fault. It's never the player's fault. It's never, it's never the G. I mean, it's not the GM's fault either. You're placing these guys that need to have chemistry together. You know, oh, locker I mean, room guys. What do you think of Daryl Morey? Uh, oh, man, I don't know if that. I mean, it's not. It's proven. It's <laughs> you it's gave me your answer. You gave me your answer. <laughs> you did. No, he's he, he's too far with the analytics thing. Like it's, it's too much. It's too much. It's too well, much. Well, I mean, never mind. I love analytics. I've had a lot of these guys on my podcast. I love that. I love talking about that kind of stuff. The people that they're extremely really- useful. Yeah. yeah. They're extremely useful, but it's only useful if you stick with something. And if you look at the Rockets roster over the last, what, four years, you can go even further back. How much turnover have they had? Yeah. Constant turnover. Constant turnover. And now I give Daryl credit because he's perpetually trying to find the championship team. And he'll do anything, including, like, some crazy trades. I mean, again, going to get Russ – with bad knees, over 30, a bit ornery, right? But you're still going to make that move because you are desperate. Like, all you care about is getting that ring at this point. But I, I, for me, I don't understand why he gets so much credit for the idea of analytics when the one thing he always does is tears up a team. The one, one thing that doesn't have analytics is chemistry. Definitely. So if you're constantly turning over a team, how the hell are you supposed to get into the rhythm of what analytics then starts to show you? Yeah. Right? I Anal- mean, analytics, analytics is proof over time. You don't have time if you're always changing the personnel. It's not like it's, not like it's a, we're playing a stratomatic game and the card tells me, all right, this player shoots 48%, 36 from three, and 75 from the free throw line. Okay, but now I throw him in with four players he's never played with before. And you're saying, well, now he's shooting 42, 34, and, you know, doesn't get to the line that much because he's not getting the ball like he used to. Well, what, what is the GM the failure? Or is it we haven't just – he doesn't have enough time with these players yet for his numbers to go to where they belong. Right. 
No, it's speak, there's nuance. There's nuance for sure. To, yeah. speak to, to speak to what you're saying is like James Harden is like the Michael Jordan of analytics. Like if you want an analytic player, he makes the free throws. He gets the uh, he gets layups and he gets threes. But yeah, but his three but, his three point shooting percentage is low though. That's he's not a he's not a great three point shooter. He's high volume, so he makes a lot. But if right. you look at his 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 career numbers, actually aren't very good as a three point shooter. They're very pedestrian. They're normal, average. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, when you're taking uh, 18 dribbles and then step back after. I don't think your, I don't think your your percentage is going right. to be high. How many years? You, how many years you play pro? Ten. No, Ten. Okay, so all right, yeah. so you 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 played them well enough. So have you ever in your life taken two steps not towards the basket after a dribble and shot the basketball? Never. Never. Like did I mean, you maybe, ever know? Maybe that mess, that was maybe legal? messing around in the gym, like joking right. to, to make a funny video. That's yeah, what yeah, I right. did. It. But but you know <laughs> the point is though is here's how, here's how dumb I am. I never knew that was legal. I didn't know you could take two, two steps to the right after picking up your dribble. I thought it always had to be towards the basket. Yeah. No, I'm saying, so when he started doing it, I'm like, well, that's a travel. They never called it. And then they had to clarify the rule this year to tell you, well, as long as it's in motion, you can take two steps and make yourself either a passer or a shooter. But why would, like, it just never dawned on me that I would be going away from the basket to shoot a basketball. Like, I just never understood that. So, you know, I give him credit for being an innovator. Yes. That's what I was about I, to speak to. I'll, I'll give him credit for that because that's, that's being creative. I just never even knew it was legal. Right. And I think for the youth, I'm speaking for the youth here. I'm not the youngest guy, but um, they look at him as like a cultural icon, just the way he, yes. he pushes the, he pushes the limits of what's legal and what's not. Yeah. That the beard. Uh, and the fact also, what young, <laughs> what, what young people love, which I guess we were like this when we were younger, is they love the fact that the old heads don't like him. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you got to love what he does, what I want. I mean, it's like... It's, it's like yeah, I don't know. It's not, <laughs> I'm serious. He's the, he's the one guy that I've, I've said, there's people I will pay to watch, you know? Like, I, I've luckily for me, I haven't had to pay to watch a basketball game you know, in, in a very, very long time. You got a great job, man. Great job. Yeah, I, I, I will never complain. Yeah. But when, when, people, when I know that people go to an arena and pay the money they pay to watch him play, I, I don't know. I don't know how you do it. Like, I don't, I, I'd, I'd much rather watch a LeBron, uh, a Steph yeah. Curry shoot the basketball, Russell Westbrook play with the abandon that he plays with. I, I'd much rather watch stuff like that. You know, KD and his ability to just kill people one-on-one. Like, you talk about one-on-one. KD to me is like the, like I love watching him play somebody one on one. It's insane. Yeah, he's, but he's almost Harden, underrated at this point. I think, yeah, which is weird, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, look, but, they had Steph. They had Steph. Bleacher Report came out with that that list, and, I, and he he was a Steph Curry was above KD. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that. <laughs> that was probably that had to be for clicks, or or they're saying because he's hurt. But I, I mean, no, that was ever. Not, that was ever. Ever? Oh, that was the all time list. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. That guy shoots 40 from three. He can average 30 without even trying. Eh, right. right. I, I don't know. Look, what, what do I know? Right? right. I'm not making no. these lists. It's ridiculous, though. But, <laughs> but one last thing with James Harden, and I do, like, I do like watching him play. The thing is, though, I think deep in the playoffs, like when you're taking that kind of volume, when you have the ball in your hand that much, it's hard for the rest of your team to get in a rhythm or a flow. So that's Great. why I don't ever win a championship playing like this. Yeah, I, that's fair, um, and I, I'll keep going back to the fact that when you have the lead on your home floor uh, and the lead in the series, 
and all you've got to do is just play simple basketball and you will beat this team and yet you just can't help yourself and keep taking a step back threes and they aren't going in like he was doing tin cup in that game i mean he just went straight up tin cup i mean he just would not stop shooting threes and it it was insane like and that's when you just look and think are you being coached clearly not are you being passive aggressive towards CP3? That could have been. I, you know, was it that too? Like, yeah. was it the point of I'm just going to do it myself? Like, I, yeah. or or does it go back to what you said? You don't really understand the game. Like, you really don't know what you're doing. Like, you're like you're an artist that doesn't really understand art. Yeah, you, you have know? to you have to keep the teammates involved because they're going to make plays for you when you're double team yeah. late in the fourth quarter. Like, you know, uh, who did Jordan? You know, Jordan in the Garden '55. He he kept his guys ready. You know, what's his name made a layup? Bill Weddington, right? Or Bill Weddington. Uh, yeah, thanks Bill. for reminding me. No, that was definitely Bill Weddington. I appreciate that memory. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, we have. I have to respond to John Wallace. Man, with uh, he said LeBron wasn't top three. I found that pretty funny because he said his he said his stats were empty. Because they didn't make the playoffs. But when LeBron was playing, they were like the fourth seed. And on top of that, I guess you could say LeBron being hurt is his fault, I guess. But we all know playoff playoff LeBron is a real thing, and he raises his level in the playoffs. That, I agree. That argument by John Wallace was totally ridiculous. I respect the guy, you know, NBA player. Total respect. I know. That, that I was mean, a ridiculous it, statement. I couldn't believe he made it after playing basketball for so many years, to be honest. ES, ESPN's list for this year about, you know, their, their top, top 100. And their list for this year and them putting LeBron at three to me was straight up trolling <laughs> because a healthy LeBron is still the best player in the world. Most until definitely. Other, until otherwise notified. Most you know? He only averaged – he's averaged 27, 8, and 8. Yeah. And that's, and I know. Bad, John, and John Wallace's argument year. was that those are stats don't count. They're empty stats because they didn't make the playoffs. They were a playoff team when LeBron was playing. <laughs> what? Yeah. No, I I, I – I, I, yeah. Yeah, we, we've – we always have fun with those arguments, but that's when I, I did uh, until until further notice. No, he, he's still the best. And, and I, here's the other thing, because I've I've taken LeBron to task on other things that he does. Because he's he one thing about LeBron that he's big on is when the team wins, it's because of me. When the team loses, it's because of you. Like he's big on that. He did that a lot in Cleveland. It's what turned off Kyrie to him. But right. so so when this happens and I have to defend this guy, <laughs> like you're making me defend LeBron now. Right, but you right. Have, you have to acknowledge. I mean, it's this guy. He's he's a number. It's different. It's di- it's just different, man. It's just different. All right, let me let me uh, ask you, uh, FIBA Frank, man, what a great one. I like that one. I like that FIBA one Frank. better than than uh, hoodie mellow. I like that one better than China. <laughs> I don't know. When I think of FIBA Frank, I just laugh. Like I start cracking up. Like, it's just uh, the name is just funny. What do you make of it? Uh, it's it's a player that the Knicks desperately need to see. Just like to me, you know. Hoodie mellow. It's my my favorite mellow is Olympics mellow. That's oh, the, that's the mellow. If we you know what's crazy about that, they didn't Olympics let him play this year. They didn't let him play. Let him play. No, they're afraid. But they're afraid. Like teams teams that could use him, he won't. No, no, go I'm talking to. about for the. He wanted to play the in the in the Olympics. Oh yeah, that that that's. I don't know why Colangelo maybe wanted to avoid weird the the being overshadowed because it would right. be a big story. But you know what, Jerry? Then maybe it would have avoided you losing to France. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. you never know. Like, I still, like, so anyway, Olympics Mellow is my favorite Mellow, and we didn't get to see it in the NBA. I was hoping we could, but, but it never happened. You know, my, my dream scenario was, and it, of course, never came to fruition, but the dream scenario was, you know, win the lottery, get Zion, get Kyrie and KD, and then you bring in Mellow. 
and Melo, you know, becomes your just assassin off the bench. He becomes his Olympic Olympics Melo. That would have been a real, and then he can retire. You can retire his number, and everything's great. But right. that didn't happen, obviously, from from the very get go. Um, but FIBA Frank is 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 probably um, like I've never seen a French a, a fan base more divided. Like this is almost like this. This is almost like the the liberals versus conservatives. Like it's incredible. There's no in between. There are days where I'll say something about Frank being a bad shooter, and the Frank fans will come. You hate him. You're a hater. You hate him. Uh, you know you don't know anything about basketball. And then the next time I'll say, "Boy, Nilakina's defense was on point, and he made a difference in the game." And then all the people that hate him say but he can't shoot and he sucks and you're just being an apologist and you're just trying to promote him because he's a Nick. Like you can't ever. <laughs> That's, you know, a like, That's a good one. That's a good Like you can never <laughs> be in the middle and just one day, like you can't make an honest assessment of this player uh, publicly without pissing off someone, like a large portion of a very big fan base. So that's what I think makes him so interesting is he's, I mean, come on. He's a decent player. He's not a great player by any means. He doesn't live up to top 10 status as a draft pick, but that's not his fault. But there's something there that you feel like he can be useful in the right situation. But you, can, you can't even talk about him. I've never seen a player that is not a superstar have that much passion one way or another about him by the fan base. So if he could play like we saw him play against the U.S., and in a couple of other games uh, in China at FIBA, then I think the Knicks have a useful player that might even be able to be uh, a starting two or a useful guard rotation type player, which right now that's what you're trying to do is salvage a pick that you know was the wrong pick. I mean, it was the wrong pick. I mean, you had Dev- Donovan Mitchell sitting there. You should have taken him. He's the local kid. That made 100%, 100% uh, reason to take him. And, you know, even Rick Pitino called the franchise and said, let me vouch for him. Like, look, I didn't use this kid the way you could use him in the NBA. He's, he's really good. Give him a chance. They just passed right over him. So we yeah. know it was not the right pick, but it doesn't mean that you just throw it away, make use of it. I do think you can make use of it. And FIBA Frank was evidence of that. And so that's why I want to be able to call him. Like, when he has a good game, I want to be saying, oh, we saw FIBA Frank tonight. You know, you want right. to be able to see that version of him because he played with confidence. Uh, he, he was he was tough defensively, and most importantly, he knocked down an open shot. And right. that's if you can defend, all you need to do is be a guy that's reliable on a kickout. Just be reliable Definitely. on a kickout, and Definitely. you can live in this league for a long time. Hundred percent. I always said it, in today's NBA, you could hit the three, guard multiple positions, and get up and down the court quick. I mean, mm-hmm. you you fit the who, NBA. You fit the who does that who, who does that sound like? Give me one player that sounds like Trevor Ariza comes to mind they, first. Boom! That's exactly the name. Yeah, here's a, guy was, here's a guy who always. was a second round pick as a 19 year old that Larry Brown as a as a rookie found no use for. Think yes. about that back yeah. in 2005, and he is and is he still in the league? Yep. I mean, think think about this. It, that was 2005. Yeah. Like that's a, like he, he's look how long he lasted just because he could shoot the three, he can get up and down the floor, and he can defend. That's it. Most definitely. And then, uh, it sounds simple, doesn't it? And if Frank just decides, I'm just going to be that guy, you'll, you'll, you'll live in this league for a very long time with that. Yeah. I mean, everybody on my podcast heard me say this before. If Mello would have saw the curve earlier and just 
worked on hitting, knocking down spot up threes. And yeah. you know, I know he likes to uh, train and, and take a, and do like a lot of dribble combos. Like that's what we see on Instagram. Just get on a hill, sprint, get in the, you know, get in the weight room, just sprint right ahead, man. That's what you should, you should be working on your body and making spot up threes and focusing on defense. You might not ever be a great defender, but just focus on it and everything else will come. That's what that was. Well, well it's funny. He wasn't, he was only a bad defender once Tyson Chandler got hurt and once Jason Kidd left. It, oh, nobody so ever, was, nobody ever called mental. him a bad You're saying defender. it was more mental than he came with. Oh, no, no, no. It was personnel. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. But you, could, you can cover for him because he, he was great at, like, the swipe blocks. He has quick hands, and he'd yeah. always be able to, like, kind of knock a ball away. Like, he was good at stuff like that. And if you just had a defensive system where you just let him know, you, this is your spot, be here. Like, it's your yeah. spot. Just be in your spot. Just know your spots on the floor. Take, take responsibility away from him. And then you had a guy cleaning up the mess, which was that's what Tyson was so good at when he was healthy playing for the Knicks. It's just Tyson gets, gets hurt. They don't have guards who can defend anyone. And Carmelo is now slower. And, you know, it just started to expose itself even more. And it didn't help also that people unfairly compared him so much to LeBron that – and LeBron, you know, just could do anything. Yeah, that's and unfair. That's, that, always, yeah. that always hurt him. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was always the, you know, you know, there was at one time, and if you remember early on, I think the Denver days, the argument was that Mello was the better offensive player than LeBron. Le Mello was the better scorer because LeBron didn't quite have all of his moves yet. And he right. played more like a point forward. And then obviously he kept developing his game and LeBron became an unstoppable force. But there was a, there was a time where it was like, well, if only Mello could get it on the defensive side, he could catch up to LeBron, but it just never was going to happen. All right, let's shift to RJ, man. Uh, I've heard you say uh, you wouldn't start him, which is interesting. I actually got yep. to see him. I actually got to see him play up close in summer league, and it was in the beginning before there was some kind of improvement with RJ and the rest of the Knicks. It was the mm -hmm. first thing that came to my mind when I saw RJ play, actually, I seen him play in high school, which I thought he was great. He like was an NBA player in high school. Like, you could just tell. When I saw him in Summer League, I mean, obviously, the competition level, who he's playing with is a lot higher and who he's playing yeah. against is a lot higher. But yeah. I just thought he looked really rigid, to be honest. Really rigid, um, kind of stiff. He, he could only really score on one level, kind of like how I spoke to Giannis, getting to yeah. the rim. His yeah. jump shot didn't look great. Uh, I hope the best for the kid, and I think he'll be a good NBA player. Why wouldn't you start RJ? What do you feel like his role should be in the, for the Knicks? I wouldn't start him because I want to take away the pressure that comes with it. Like I, I'd want to remove that as fast as I can. He would, and, I think and, he would be so upset, super upset. Well, the, the only issue is, is that the Knicks don't really have any, anybody at the two. I mean, yeah. you know, Bullock, Bullock's not going to be available. Dotson's going to be hurt throughout most of preseason. So RJ almost by by default, if you're not going RJ there, do you go Neil Aquina? So it, it's essentially going to be a, in my opinion, that's the two I'm looking at. Like who who wins the battle coming out of camp, and then you see Dotson where Dotson is physically, and then of course Bullock's going to take a while. You don't know how long he's going to be with the neck surgery. Right. So you know that's the problem is that he might just get it by default. But this league to me is very it's very unforgiving to young players, especially teenagers. In New York, especially, and, right? Uh, well, and, and you add New York to it. But because, yeah. like, I'd ra I don't know, there's something to me about, and, and Wally Zerbiak and I talk about this all the time. 
when you can play against twos and you're a young player, you come in the, and you're playing against now that, you know, this, this guys who come off other teams benches who are really good players, but they're not starters. Right. And there's a little less pressure if you come out there and now you're going up against other guys. And, and a lot of teams now have young benches. That's just how they are now because it's cheaper. And so I don't know if just for me mentally, for him, it could be better if he comes in second wave kind of deal with a guy like Peyton, who is a, a vet, a tough vet who likes to push the pace. And maybe that helps a guy like RJ Barrett assimilate without having to start a game and you're going up against some killers at the two in this league. I mean, there's some killers out there. And you're yeah. running off screens. And you're just exhausting yourself defensively. And then you're asked to hit an open kick out where your legs are gone. You know, there's something about that that I think I'd rather take the pressure off him until he gets a half a season at least and shows me he's been real effective. Let's, you know, I think he's earned it. So that's the only reason why I say it. I don't say it because I don't think he's going to be good. I think he's, he comes from good stock. I think he's a tough kid. And I do think that that part is going to serve him well in New York. But you're right in, in what I also – what you saw, I saw the same thing. He doesn't have a lot of bounce. Um, he, you know, he, he doesn't move like a typical two. He feels he, almost like a power two, right? He's got a bit right. more of a power game. Right. And, and, and he's not a great outside shooter, you know. So how do you guard him? Well, you let him shoot. You go under screens. You know, you can switch off him. Biggs can guard him because he's going to want to play physical. And now if he's trying to drive on a – Six nine guy, how's he going to do there? So I think you've got to get him in mismatches and try to get smaller guards on him and post them up. I think mid post for a while if you want to give him some offense. Otherwise, like I said, I would take it slow. You know, yeah. I really would. I would take it slow. I think he's got the body to be an NBA player, which definitely you know, you can't can't say that a lot about nineteen year olds. But his game needs time. It needs time. But if you watched later in the summer league. When the yeah. ball was in his hands and they were allowing him to create, I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, I didn't actually see those. I wasn't there in Vegas for those uh, last. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I didn't. Act, well, I don't know if I was there, but I didn't get to see those last games when it when it improved. I saw the yeah, ones he, where they were he struggling. Was, yeah, he was he was putting. I think he got a triple double in his last game, but he was putting up stats and all. He was filling all the boxes. Okay. And 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 he looked more engaged. Like he really the first game. He looked like he was exhausted, like whirlwind, so much going on. Now, all of a sudden, I'm on this floor, and you know, he put up, I think, like 17 shots. You know, he didn't make much. You could just see he was sort of – like that process must be, uh, I mean, a, a complete whirlwind if you think about it, right? The whole May pre-draft, then, yeah. the, then the workouts, then the draft, then all the pomp and circumstance after the draft. Then the next thing you're, you're in Vegas with a bunch of guys you just met uh, having three practices and now all of a sudden you're on national TV yeah. and there's Zion and you're like, I'm in Vegas now playing in this big arena. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's like a movie. It took, it's like a movie. It's like, right. Yeah. Right. So, so it took him a couple of games, but once, once he got about two games under his belt, three games, like then you started to see him. All right. Now I'm playing ball. And so that's why I have the same feeling about the season. I'd rather not just, you know, make him the face of the franchise, start him put all this pressure on him to be great, and then everybody talk about it. Instead, it, unless he comes out and he's just playing his balls off and he just absolutely takes like, – like he earns the spot. Like I don't have anybody better than him to put at the two, so he got the two. Unless that's happening, if it's a tie, the tie goes to the vet, in my, in my opinion, just, just to protect him. Who's your ideal starting five? I know this is going to sound crazy, and I want to see what you think. 
Um, I, I'm most curious to watch this five and see what they can be. And that is Dennis Smith, uh, Neil Aquina, Morris, Randall, and Robinson. Hmm. Yeah, you don't like it, and I know hmm. why. Why? It's not very, not very athletic. Yeah. 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 Up and down. I yeah. mean, I do like, I do like, I do like uh, DSJ at the point, though. I think he's tremendously talented, and I think he'll be in better shape this year. That's a big part of it. Yeah. That's, his, you can watch his game, and you could see if he had elite conditioning, Oof. he's going to be, he could be special. Because how many games? I wa- yes, and I watch these games, and you, you know what else too? He's prideful. Like he wants to like do it, and when he doesn't, you can see his face. He's frustrated that he can't do things that he knows physically he could do if he wasn't tired. And I saw a guy who showed up, and you could tell he let go of the rope with uh, Rick Carlisle. You could tell. Well, that's a tough situation. You have like, he let go. like to me. To me, Luca is going to be a generational player, and I yep. mean, he's going to have the ball in his hands. And it was just a bad situation for DSJ. Yeah, it was and, tremendously and, talented though. And Rick Carlisle was tough on. He's always tough on his guards. Always. Yeah. And he was really tough on Dennis. And and I think you could see that when he stopped playing. Remember, he left the team for a while, and they had all those controversy. Like, you could see yeah. that he was real frustrated to a point where he probably let go. And once you do that in the middle of a season, there's, you can't recover. Like, your body will never recover. So when he showed up, he, you know, he gave you the slam dunk contest, which he was tired after that. Yeah. And he played this game in Detroit right before All-Star break. I think he had, like, 30-something points. He did a 360 dunk. He was unstoppable. They could not guard him. And right. I looked and I watched and I said, and it was the first of a back-to-back. And in that first, and I'm watching this, and I'm going, "All right, this kid's definitely special, but he's getting tired." Like towards the end of the game, he didn't have anything left in the tank to finish. And I said, "That's a problem," because great player, you have to be able to have your save your best for last. Then in the second game, the back to back, nothing. Like he was done. You know, he couldn't do anything in that game, and so it just showed you what you said. If he got in elite shape, now I can assess what kind of player he is. So I'm hoping, and all I've heard is that he's put in a really good off season. And, and really worked hard and changed his diet and everything. If he shows up and he's a guy that is in elite shape and, you know, great conditioning, they also worked on his jumper. He had a little hitch in it that they took out. But I care more about his physicality. If he can finish games and looks fresh in the fourth quarter, then they might have something special here. So I, I, I need to see that. No, I agree. He's just – he's more talented than people realize. Like, he's really – like, he's honestly – and I say this about Lance Stevenson, like he's an all-star level talent. Lance is such a maddening talent, isn't he? Oh, him too. We, all-star he talent has, for sure. He has all the tools. Like he is a, he's another one of those guys when you look at him, you're like, that's a prototype basketball body, prototype hops, prototype speed. Prototype Can shoot it too? Gets a shot off mo- easily? Yeah, motor, like motor Ridiculous. for days. Like just, he, he, I don't think he ever gets tired, right? But yet. When you climb upstairs into the attic, yeah. <laughs> like it's like, wait a minute. Sometimes this thing gets unplugged. <laughs> you got to plug it back in. Right, and a, and a great work ethic. If you see him on Instagram, that's, well, that's, that's, what, I mean. that's yeah. what I mean. I mean, his motor off the charts. Like he's everything you would want in a basketball player, <laughs> except the wires just aren't always plugged in. And if you're a coach, it must make you go, oh, not today, not today. You know, not not this moment. You know, like, but that's what. I, you know, I think of Ron Artest the same way. Ron Artest yeah. like the perfect basketball player, and he knows the game. You, you sit down and talk basketball with him. Like he knows the game. He can tell you about opponents. He can tell you about what they do, strengths, everything. 
Yeah. He knows, he knows, he would know scattering reports, all that stuff. But there would be things that would happen to him in the middle of a game where he would just snap. And you're like, what, what, what? Oh, okay. And then, so it's like players that are so good, but you can't rely on them. You know, that's what you're afraid of players like that. They're so good, but you can, you trust them to carry your team uh, on a day? You know, J.R. Smith, another guy. Yep. He's a phenomenal elite athlete, talent wise, best hands. Like I bet he could play in the major leagues. I bet if you gave him a couple of months to get ready, he could hit a he could hit a, uh, a major league pitch effortlessly. Effortlessly, his hands yeah. his hands are insane. But another guy that one night he's spectacular. The next night, where where is he? He's in a fog. Like where is he? A guy you just can't rely on. But he's so good, you need him. I've seen him play some of the most incredible basketball, and yet two days later, you're watching him going, "You can't even play this guy today. Can't play him." You know, should there's the a lot of guys. Re- should the Knicks like resign that. him? He doesn't fit with this group. Yeah, it's yeah. a couple of years too late. A couple of years too late. No, I would – you know, it's funny. I, I would have kept that group together. You know, Mike Woodson knew how to coach them. They had, a, they had a rough year that was based on injuries, suspensions, and a really dumb Bargnani trade. Yeah. And, and they could have worked their way out of that and gotten back on track. They missed the playoffs by one game that year. And Woody is a really good coach. And he he could handle Jr. like he, like he knew what to do with that group. He knew how to keep them going. And instead, Phil never even sat down with him, never even interviewed him. And they, boy, I'll tell you this. Since then, it's it's not been good. All right, so let's finish with this, man. You've actually written five sports books. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So one of the one of them is named Ten Things Knicks Fans Must Know and Do. Hunt. Yeah, hundred. Oh, oh, what did I say? One. You said ten. Oh, okay. Let me, let me set that over. A hundred things Knicks fans must know and do before they die. Uh, so give yeah. us just one. Oh, God. Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to come up with one. All right. Give me a few. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got – you know what? I have one actually right here. I'm going to check the contents. Um, I mean, you've got to know – I'll give you one no and one do. One no is you have to know game seven, 1970. Okay. Because it's not talked about enough in in basketball history because it's known as when Willis Reed came out, right? Limped out and, you know, hit two baskets and then they, you know, led the Knicks to the championship against Will Chamberlain and Jerry West. Right now, you need to know though, that, that what Walt, Walt Frazier did in that game, Nobody he had ever like, talked. He about had like what seven the, steals or something. He he had he he had thirty was it thirty eight points, seventeen assists, eight rebounds, you know, five steals, like whatever, like and and it's and we're talking about he he was guarding Jerry West, <laughs> like yeah, he wow. had one of the all time great games ever played in an NBA Finals game. Never mind an NBA Finals game seven in what would be considered an upset over the Lakers and, and that team. And you never hear it referenced ever. So if you're a young Nick fan, you don't know the history. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't old around for that. I wasn't even alive, but that's one of the things you need to know. Like, I feel like that's something you need to know that because this never talked about enough. I mean, I, I talk about the different trades they made. Uh, I talk about like Xavier McDaniel and and the whole David Falk thing and how does that you know 
the uh, urban legend that David Falk, that Jordan told David Falk, because Xavier McDaniel used to beat up Scotty Pippen all the time, and Scotty was almost intimidated by him. And so Jordan told Falk, don't let him sign in New York. So, so X-Man ends up taking the contract in Boston that was pretty much the same deal the Knicks were offering. And no one can – no one now David Falk denies it, and Ewing says, David Falk was my agent. Why would he do that to me? And my answer is because you weren't making him the same money that Jordan was. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah. just, you know, that, that's one of those, that's one of those stories. But the other thing I, I think the, one of the things you got to do, which is what, uh, what every, every Nick fan does is go to the draft and boo. <laughs> what, uh. <laughs> doesn't matter who they pick. They boo. You know, the last you know, guy, you know what was a great one? Would rap report. When Rappaport went viral, when, he, when Porzingis got drafted, that was <sighs> hilarious. <laughs> All that stuff. Just everybody flipped the kid crying, and then, like, months later, he's wearing his jersey. Yeah, it, it's, this is, but it's what we do. You know, it, it's, it's, it's what you do. It's part of it. It's almost like you're supposed to make a fool of yourself on draft night for a guy you're going to fall in love with months later. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's a book like that. Like, I just, you know, it's like you have fun with the history. You tell some of the stories, some of the urban legends, you know, the Knicks, uh, the Knicks once passed on Larry Bird in the draft. Nobody knows about that. Oh, my God. He was available in the draft that the Celtics took him. He was staying another year. Everybody knew it. The Knicks didn't want to wait a year for Larry Bird, so they took Michael Ray Richardson instead. That allowed the Celtics to take him a few picks later. Great documentary I saw on Michael Ray Richardson. But, wow, that would have yeah. changed, changed the whole – Would have changed everything. The Knicks organization. Wow. Wow, New York would have loved him. Can you imagine? Yeah, that's blue or, collar. Or either that, <laughs> either that, or he would have blew out his ACL three games in, and we would have never known if he was going to be any good. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. But that, what a combination! What a combination of blue collar and superstar. I mean, oh, we oh early. Talk about, and also if you think about the era too of you know the kind of well, that was a grimy time in New York, the early '80s and stuff. Like, yeah. you know how he would have fit in diving and, on the yeah. floor, oh, fouling people. That's all they cared about was that stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, and never mind the fact that he could just shoot, like, the way he could shoot the basketball. It's insane. But, yeah, so, so there's, there's more of your history where you just think, every time somebody tells me, like, this is the dumbest thing the Knicks have ever done, I'm like, nah, not so fast. <laughs> <laughs> Let me refer you, page 78. <laughs> oh, man, Alan, it was great having you back on the show. It was great having you on the show. You're always sure. welcome back. Where can we find you? Oh, uh, well, depends. I mean, I'm either on ESPN radio each night or on MSG when the Knicks are playing or on social media where I'm fighting with people all the time. About uh, FIBA Frank. Tweet, <laughs> Twitter, Alan Hahn, uh, Instagram, <laughs> Ahan MSG, you know, all, all kinds. I'm pretty much everywhere, but, you know. You got to be. You got to be. 2019, you got to be everywhere, Alan. Yeah, you got to stay relevant. That's, <laughs> that's how it is. And just remind kids that I used to be able to dunk. Hey, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right alan thanks for being here you're always welcome back much appreciated right. man. Talk you soon. got it Andrew. thanks Talk you got soon. it Later. All right. thank you for listening to episode 102 of combos court big shouts to alan for joining in we appreciate you leave a comment and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to combos court if you're listening to this episode on your apple podcast app leave a five star rating as well also man take a screenshot of this episode Post it on your IG stories. Tag me. I'll repost it. Be on the lookout for episode 103. Combo out.